Am I on? Okay. Oh, hey, everybody. I'm back. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had my sinus surgery and I can breathe through my nose. It's really miraculous. <laughs> I highly recommend it to those of you who struggle with uh, various sinus issues. Um, let's pray. Jesus, I um, come before you. We come before you. Um, uh, aware of our need of you. Some of us are not really aware of our need of you. Um, God, we, some of us believe, some of us don't. Um, but we're here on a journey um, and ask that you would speak to us tonight and show yourself to us uh, and, um, yeah, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, we're, we're like, taking the, it's, it takes a village one step further this week, um, because, uh, Eric has been, uh, doing the sermon on parenting, which has been more of a practical kind of thing, and, my role has sort of been more like the village mom, grandma, older sister, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, and I also have raised my kids in community, um, in a community house and also in this community um, in really intentional ways. Um, and so I'm going to kind of talk about families, but also kind of broaden into sort of what it looks like. And the reason I added in, when we actually came up with the name of what of the village for our community, um, it, we were kind of, there weren't really a lot of kids. I had kids. Uh, Tritia had kids. Uh, Emily had kids, you know, I mean, it was a really small group of kids. In fact, here you have uh, Ashton, Daniel McConnell, Fiona, Kelly McConnell, and Jesse. Those are kind of some of the representatives of the original village kids, okay? <laughs> the OGs, that's right. <laughs> um and when we were thinking about, like, you know, what we also had in our community were a lot of people, like myself, who didn't have parents, or their parents kind of sucked, or their parents were really great, but they still seem wounded in some way by them. And, and so there's, we were kind of joking around, you know, that, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid, but it also takes a village to raise everybody. Like, parents don't just automatically become great parents, or parents submitted to God just because they become parents. Um, pastors in at the village, most our, our pastors aren't really here because we went to seminary, we decided that God called us to be a pastor, and we 
Uh, so we went, we did the stuff you're supposed to do, and then you, like, come back or get called by a church, and then you, like, you know, everything goes well because you, you know, you did the pastor thing. No, our, our pastors have been raised up at the village. They're uh, people, and we're like, oh, you're a pastor. Okay. And then we call them, and then we encourage them and teach them and let them do the wrong thing and talk to them about it and affirm when they're doing something that's really good. And, um, and so there's this, it's this process of parenting and being parented as a community. The other picture is, is when Mark, Corey, and I got ordained at the village and we had all the village kids come up and, and bless us as a part of the ordination process, which was just great. I thought that was really great. <laughs> um, oh, I need my clicker. No, that's Well, it might be. A, oh, it's off. Um. So as I said, we're wrapping up this series on parenting, um, and some of the key elements that Eric has been emphasizing uh, is that we want our children to be able to kind of have this sense of things. When we're parenting, that's kind of our mission, is not that they'll be a doctor, not that they'll do a certain thing, none of that kind of stuff. In parenting, what we want is for them to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm at peace. Um, some versions say I have everything I need. Um, and this idea that we stand with Jesus and that in that process when we stand with Jesus and, and, and Jesus invites us into um, being with the Father uh, as his children and being you know, brothers with Jesus, that we are loved and we belong, so we're like brought into the family in a real way. Um, we have impact and significance, so like the things that we're doing like matter to the Father, um, and that we have hope because we're walking with a good dad. Um, and then last week he, he kind of emphasized, he, he went through the part about, um, he, he's been going through Psalm 23, and he went through the part about, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And, yeah, so these are just kind of, these are like the key pieces. Like, this is what you want your kids to know. And as you represent God in your kid's family, I mean, in your kids' lives, what you're doing is saying, I'm offering this to you to the best of my ability, but this is ultimately what God wants to offer to us all. And then Eric also pointed out a few ways that we do this um, using Psalm 23. So um, one of them is uh, creating a safe environment for kids to be able to obey and to believe and all the things that we want kids to do. Um, the second one was that we have to be willing to lead. 
our kids, uh, not just say, you know, okay, go do that, even though I can't do it. What we're saying is I'm going to lead you on this path with the knowledge that as we lead our kids in failure, basically, that God is leading us and that we're teaching them about that. Um, and then the the third one is uh, that we're restoring their souls. Um, he kind of talked about it in terms of like, you know, when the sheep falls over, you're like picking the sheep back up, putting it back to right, putting it back to how it's supposed to be. And, you know, in practical terms, uh, this sometimes involves the, uh, the hook and kind of a gently prodding or lifting up, and sometimes it involves the rod. Not that rod. <laughs> but sometimes it involves breaking their legs and then the, the, the parent shepherd carrying the, the fallen one in the process of restoring them to like an understanding of who they are before God and who they are in the family. Um, I wasn't given a specific passage to look at in this sermon. Um, and um, so I kind of defaulted. It was interesting, Eric said, that, uh, that, that God doesn't refer to himself as father very often in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament when Jesus comes and there's sort of this bringing into the Trinity that God starts calling himself father. Um, but this is one of my favorite passages because I'm fatherless. My dad died when I was two. Um, and so in Psalm 68, it says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows as God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Uh, the picture there is the last picture taken with my dad as our family. Um, and yeah, he was, he was the one that brought my mom to faith. Um, he was, by all accounts, although, you know, it's hard to know since when someone dies young, they tend to get mythical status, but he was a really good guy, a loving dad, a loving husband. Um, and when my mom was 27 and my sister Dawn was seven, my sister Carol was five, and I was two. Um, he died. And left us alone. You know, we're on our own. My mom got depressed, and, you know, everything changed in our family. It, it, was, it was dark. Um, and then... Um, And I share this not, okay, let's see how horrible it is for Julie, but that we all have these stories. We all have these places where the valley of the shadow of death comes in and we have to face them. Um, and so 
you know, instead of my uh, really great guy dad, um, the our pastor at the time uh, was counseling my mom um, in her grief that culminated in an affair, and um, and then in them getting married and kind of launching our family into. 10 years of really abusive yuckiness um, before I finally persuaded my mom to leave my stepdad. Um, that's not right. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, that's, that's, that's not fair. Um, and when we're parenting, a lot of times, like, we get in our minds, and I think the world helps us on this, that the goal is for nothing bad to ever happen. Um, in, you know, Finding Nemo, which starts with, you know, the huge tragedy of the destruction of the mom fish and almost all of the, the little fish eggs, um, the dad fish is like, you know, okay, I won't ever let anything happen to you. And later in the movie, you know, Dory, who's sort of the childlike wisdom in the in the story you know he says i promised i would never let anything happen to him and she says huh that's a funny thing to promise (laughs) because that's what ends up happening right because if if we start like okay i can't let anything happen to my kids then like life has to stop because we are in the valley of the shadow of the death you know like we are in the broken world where things are not how they're supposed to be. Um, and when we deny that, uh, we're, we're being bad parents, you know? When we, when we don't let our kids know that that's a part of what this world is, then we're lying to them, you know? And when we take that as our mission to make sure that nothing bad happens, we're running in conflict with the way God is working out his plan of salvation. And I don't mean, hey, let's all put our kids in the street and see how many get run over or anything like that. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, we're, we, we're also called to take care and, and, you know, take care of our kids. But when we make it our mission to, to not let anything bad happen, like, that doesn't work. Our community can really speak to that. Miriam had cancer. That, that's not right. That's not what we want. You know, Lane's dad died before she got married. And that's, that's sad. And it's not right. And when we, when we pretend that that's, and we just deny that there's pain, then what starts happening is we can't actually defend widows or care for the fatherless or, or for lonely people or for prisoners. There's, there's no singing in just saying, oh, it's okay, everything's great, you know, it's all right. Um, your nephew died, but, you know, it's all good, and Jesus is good, and everything will be fine in the end. Um, that doesn't work. Like, that's, that doesn't encourage people, because that's not the story that we're living in. And I think one of the 
arcs of Satan's sense of how things are is that is that everything is supposed to be fair, right, and good. And um, if anything isn't, then it's somebody's fault. It's it's your fault. You're not enough. They weren't enough. You know. I mean, it, it's it gets into blame and contempt and all these things because we're because we don't want the hard things. We don't want our story. Basically, the story of Jesus, the gospel, is a very incredibly beautiful, sad story. Because Jesus, Jesus defeats evil, not through some great, like, you know, Caesar kind of victory, where he just, you know, they, they try to put him on the cross and he zaps everybody. That's not the gospel, you know. Jesus triumphs over evil by allowing himself to be crucified on our behalf, by, like, demonstrating this ultimate... Um, compassion. And the singing that happens when, it, when prisoners are released, you, you don't like go and escort a prisoner that's been pardoned out of prison and say, oh, it didn't matter that you were in prison for 10 years. Um, that was fine. But uh, now you can be free, so let's have a party. No. The singing comes when you're like, this has been a hard and painful road, and we're having a moment of freedom right now. We are stepping into something different, a different story. You're pardoned for what you did, and you get to move into a different life and a different kind of story. When we care for our kids... Like what we're offering to them, you know, if if a bully on the playground or on our playground <laughs> says, you know, you're stupid, like what we're offering to them is is that we're with them. That hurts. Yeah, it's sad when someone says that. I might go and address it with the kid if I know them, but it might have happened where you don't know the kid, you know? Um, we're saying, I'm with you, you belong to me, and that person does not have the power to speak to your identity because you belong here, you belong in the family. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're offering um, as parents in the Valley of Death. So... This was another thing I really like. I think this is one of the best challenges that Eric has given is in terms of seeing our, uh, human parents through the lens of the God of grace rather than viewing God through the lens of our broken, sinful parents. Um, so I don't have a dad. I haven't had a dad. And then when I had someone that was like a dad, he sucked. And so, like, you know, I mean, that's just kind of how... My story is when, when, whenever we talk about God as Father, when we do Trinitarian prayer and we try to just ask God for things, when we do the 20 prayers, and, you know, for the year and we start to try to ask God for things like he's our dad, like, I don't know what that's like. 
Like I, I, I didn't have someone that I could just say, hey, you know, I'm excited about this or I don't want this to happen or, you know, I, like I don't know what that means. Um, and so I start to think God is that way, right? I start thinking, oh, well, God is absent. God uh, doesn't really care. God's, you know, really just kind of sitting up there judging me, waiting to see if if I get done what I need to get done. Um, and I I start to, um, yeah, I, I I I start to lose sight of who God really is. Um, when we look at our human parents through the lens of God. Then we start, you know, we start thinking, okay, well, this is God. God is grace. God is love. God is like perfect judgment and perfect grace and love together. Um, and we start to have a vision for like what, what it's supposed to be. And so, you know, when I married Keith and we had kids, um, I start seeing Keith be a dad. And I'm like, wow, okay. That's different. That's, that's, you know, and sometimes it's sad, honestly. Sometimes when Keith does something that I didn't have, it's sad. I, 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 I recognize that I have lost something. Um, and then, and then Keith isn't a good dad. He's a good dad and he's not a good dad. He does these really great things and then he's like, messes up. And I'm like, ah. (laughs) 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 So the, the passage goes on to say... In, in this, after it's, you know, they're coming out with singing, we're bringing the people out. It says, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And, you know, I mean, if, if, if you think of this in terms of like, you know, okay, so good people, you know, get to sing. Well, usually the prisoners who are being pardoned aren't like the good people. Like those are the people who know that they've been for, forgiven something. You know, those are the people who are celebrating because something different has happened. Um, and I, so I think he's talking about something different here. Um, and and that, that comes out in some other, some other passages um, where the idea is that we're, like, we're running away from the story. Right, the rebellion is not just um, is not just you know oh I'm not going to do that thing that you want me to do. Like sometimes your kid can like do the thing that you ask them to do, and they're like, you know, I'm going to set my phone on the you know table just like you told me to. You know, like it's not it's not just the doing; it's like what's happening inside. Um, 
I think shame and contempt, for one thing, they're like at the core of parenting, okay? Because parenting is so incredibly exposing. Because it's a place where not only are you invited to represent God, but you really want to represent God. Like you really want to get it right. But you can't because you're sinful. And so everything you do is like, oh, well, I have to, I have to do this so I can get it right, or I need to go back and, you know, change the way I did that, and then I'll be right, you know? Um, and what happens is we end up just set, setting up idols, right? You know, my, my idol is going to be uh, that my kids will look a certain way. Um, my idol is going to be that I'm always right, so I'm doing research, I'm going to like figure it out, I'm going to talk to everybody. Um, my idol is that no one will break the peace in my home, everything will be calm. And what starts happening when you have those kinds of idols, that's the bad parent. The bad parent isn't, you know, the one who does a particular thing. The bad parent is the one who's idolatrous and who disciplines because they're, they're embarrassed because somebody toppled their idol, right? You know, I didn't get it right, so now I'm embarrassed. Now I have to run away and hide or blame someone, right? Whoever toppled the idol, maybe it's my kid, maybe it's my spouse. And we start, you know, we, we kind of start living this life under the way that Satan thinks about things. Um, and this is kind of what I think happens in that, um, is, is we'd step out of the narrative that we belong, that we're loved, that like we have significance and a purpose and hope, and we kind of turn into the teenager, right? More like, oh, nobody really cares. I don't belong anyway. I don't matter. Might as well chase after my idols. Nobody really cares. It's good. You know, and we start in this narrative of like, well, if this thing that Satan is saying is true, then forget it. I'm just going to give up, right? And when we enter into community in that way, then we start like reading things through this filter of, of like, well, I think nobody cares and I don't belong. So in order for me to belong and, and believe that you care, you have to prove that I belong and that you care. And what Jesus says in the community of God is, you belong and I love you and you're a part of this family and that we're on a mission together. And it's good and it involves the valley of the shadow of death. That Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Like when he says, okay, Jesus, I'm asking you to stop the suffering, that's not the end, right? That's not, he, he's not like, stop the suffering, or I'm not going to believe I love you. And he's not like, well, I guess I'll just suck it up because you're the fatherhead, and so I just have to do what you, do, you say anyway. No, he really believes that he is a part of this thing that's really good. This, this way of coming together as a family that's going to bring goodness to them and goodness to us. 
And so his choice to obey comes out of this deep awareness of God's love for him and his acceptance of him. So when we're in our, like, oh, I yelled at my spouse, I, you know, you know, went back to whatever addictive behavior I normally do. You know, we're, 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 we're kind of down in this. I don't really belong. Nothing's going to change. Like, Jesus comes with the good news, right? And that's what he brings us into in community, is the good news. Um, God is not counting our sins against us, right? God is the father who who has made a way to forgive our sins and has also like held our our wound and brokenness really tenderly and wants us to heal. So the things that I do because somebody, you know, because I didn't have a dad, God is holding those things gently. And the sins that I commit because of the idols that I worship because I didn't have a dad, God is forgiving those things. And that's happening in this, in this context of, of family. All right, I'm running out of time, so. Um, so when I came into the, this community of people, and not just this community, but in the community of God where there were people who were parenting me, um, Rod, John Seepin, um, people who, Patty Seepin, you know, people who came into my life and they spoke, they, they, they exemplified God the Father so that I could start to understand. Um, it was crazy cool. It was like, oh, now I don't only have to rely on my husband to demonstrate for me what a good dad is, because that's a lot of pressure on him and probably results in me having contempt when he fails, you know? No, I, <laughs> I, start, <laughs> I, I start to look around. I start to see um, how other people parent. You know, I, when I fail or when I'm broken in my depression and I can't throw a birthday party for my kid because I'm just too depressed. Emily did. Emily had a party for me. She didn't think of it as like, oh, I'm going to do this great thing and I'm going to have a birthday party for Julie because she's depressed. No, she did it because we were, we were just parenting together. And she was like, I could do that. And it was a huge gift to me. It was also a point of shame, right? Because I should be able to, um, I should be able to throw my kid a party. It doesn't matter if you're depressed. You just do it. You need to get it done. And, um, and so, like, it, it was exposing. And so Emily's place was to offer me that safe environment where I know that God is with me and I know that 
I know that I'm forgiven, and I know that God is walking with me in my woundedness. And that's what we're brought together for here. And that's why, like at the village, we talk about about parenting and community. It's not, like, we don't at all have this sense of, like, you know, oh, parenting and community means there are no parents, right? <laughs> And everybody is just responsible for everybody. No, we each are given our own kids. And we're also given widows and orphans. And we're given, like, people that come in that God is saying, you have a role in this person's life. And so when we talk about parenting, it's not, it's not just, you know, like, okay, everybody can crack the whip over the kids, it's that we are all a part of something that is bigger, of a story. And God, for some reason, is like, I'm the father, this is the son, and I'm, we're adopting you in. And so we're a family. So we have in these pictures, uh, Corey and Colleen with Elliot hanging out. We've got uh, Aaron Carmichael <laughs> hanging with uh, Ashton and and. Her, and helping Jesse on the sled. And then we have Jesse, who's not a angsty teenage, you know, middle schooler anymore. (laughs) Helping another kid plant, right? Um, We have Anna reading to Elliot, and then we have Elliot reading to Elsa, I think, or Miriam, uh, Evie, yeah, Everest. We've got Karen hanging out in the back seat with Anna and Kelly, and then we have Kelly reading to, I think it's David. Is that David? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Miriam. You know, she's up in the top learning how to plant. Is it Miriam or did I get the wrong? Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, she's walking, holding, holding uh, Maywa's hand. Like that's the picture. Like God establishes this family. And so like mid-kids, like this is, this is your mission, right? You're not just here to like, okay, well, people are going to tell me what to do, and then I'm just going to try to get away with whatever I can, right? Oh, Bloom Boys. (laughs) Elliot, or he's out in the other group. No, the, the mission is about how we learn together to care for each other and how we learn together to create a safe place. It's not a safe place for a younger kid if an older kid is being mean. It's not, like, it doesn't create a place where that kid can move forward. We're not leading, we're not, we're not communicating the things that we're meant to communicate, that we are loved and we belong that we have impact and significance and that we have a hope and a call to kind of be on this journey together. So we we enter into the the new rules, right? The dad rules, the the father's house rules. Instead of the sun-scorched land, we're in the father's house, okay? Um, And like kids... We get it right sometimes, and we're like, "Woo! Did you see that? I um, unloaded the dishwasher without you asking. Isn't that cool?" You know, 
Um, I, I went and did the dishes instead of Sue. Did you see that? Right? <laughs> uh, um, we're in, we're creating this place because that's what we're offering to the world, right? We're, we're, we're coming together, um, in, uh, let me see which one that is. Whoops, we're going to have the communion. Hello? Hello? Okay. So in, uh, in uh, Isaiah 61, although it looks like I might have the wrong thing, um, it, it, it says that, that we're a planting of the Lord and that somehow what we're doing here is the demonstration of the glory of God, right? Not just the village, every place where believers are gathered, every community that you're a part of, you're bringing that little planting, that little, like, I'm going to go and try to offer a safe place for you to share whatever you share without feeling shame and contempt. Um, I'm going to offer you, like, an awareness of, your, of, of the impact that you have on God and that, there, that there's hope and that we're moving in a direction and that's what we're that that's how you heal the city right like we start here in offering those things to each other in order for us to be able to offer those things to our kids or our you know neighbor or whoever i like when um like sometimes anna like with some of her friends like there's a sense that she's a safe place to talk about stuff i think that's jesus you know, I think that's I think that's Jesus. So, um, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the really incredible gift of community, and God, it's been so powerful in my life and in you being my father uh, as a fatherless kid and fatherless parent and fatherless pastor and um god i i um i ask that you would give us courage as a community to allow things into the light that are that we feel are our shame and i ask that you would supernaturally allow us as a community to hold those things for each other without adding shame to, to the to the burden that's already there that Satan's already trying to lay on. I ask that this would be a place where as we parent together and we do it wrong or do it right or think that we're doing it right <laughs> that that you would help us to lay our shame down and um, and walk with each other in our lives in a way that's really intentional and um, and that and that displays your light and your glory. And we ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen.